0: It's December sixteenth, nineteen ninety five, and Glycerine by Bush is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart.
1: Mm, Mmm, Glycerine (laughs) (laughs) by
2: Bush.
0: Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I am Quillen.
2: I'm
1: Trev. How do I always end up with the middle part? This is my fault, but (laughs) somehow I'm always the person who says this. I'm Al, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. I feel like
0: i said that before.
2: Yeah, I think it's been quite a while. Today, we'll be talking about Glycerine, the fourth single from <laughs> Bush's debut album, Sixteen Stone.
0: Glycerine spent just two weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. We like to pronounce things weird and wrong, don't we? I do. Here's a
1: clip. um i looked up the lyrics in doing research for this song and i had mercifully not known what he was saying for Mm -hmm. several decades so i have for the last uh let's see 1995 i have for the last 25 years thought the chorus of this song is don't let the taste go pie high What? (laughs) Don't let the taste go pie-high. Get out of here. No, that's true. Don't let the taste go pie-high. And I also (laughs) uh, heard bad mood wine again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Close, right?
1: I mean, it's all meaningless. Is it bad moon white again? Bad moon white again. Okay. And don't let the days go by. Mm -hmm.
0: I knew that one. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even listen to care about lyrics, and I knew that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I always thought this was something about the taste of glycerine, or because if you remember back in the, well, this is not back in the day, uh, you know, the Listerine tablets Mm -hmm. that melted on your tongue Mm -hmm. that were like kind of a fad when we were teenagers. They were like super intense. It was like this Mm. little, this like this thin, almost like wax paper that you put on your tongue, and it melted, and it was like it was like this trendy version of like an Altoid. And I think that I must have thought maybe he was like singing about Listerine and the taste of Listerine. Mm.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I have no idea. And apparently nitroglycerine is a very different thing from nitroglycerin. I'm even saying, I, Gavin <laughs> Rosdale's doing a stupid mispronunciation, but nitroglycerin and glycerin are two very different things. Well,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. so, what about nitroglycerine?
1: <laughs>
0: okay, <sorry>. Or glycerine. <laughs>
1: or glycerine, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, general thoughts on, on, on glycerine.
0: This song sucks. <laughs> It's so boring. I don't know. Like, what what is there to say about this song? Nice strings. Usually something that I would care about and be into, but I'm not in this song.
2: Really? You don't like the
0: strings? No, they're fine, but like, they (laughs) don't save the song. Like, uh, like Good Riddance by Green Day. (laughs) The strings (laughs) save the song, at least somewhat. They don't do a damn thing for this song. Huh. The no cello, drums here think too. The, the cello is like, uh, like a definite like Nirvana wannabe nod. I think for sure. Um, it's like specifically the cello. Yeah, this song just blows.
2: It's so boring. I, I don't think I like cello with electric guitar. Period. Just hmm. cello. Like if you can do full strings and you mm-hmm. can incorporate a cello, like that's great. And I think it sounds good. But I think if you just put a cello in with a rock band. It is not for me.
1: There is uh, either a violin or viola at least part of the song. Yeah, no, there, yeah, yeah. There, there are
0: multiple spring, strings for sure. But like, Trav, trav,
1: the, trav just wants to bring attention to his hatred of cursive. Exactly. Yeah,
0: which <laughs> Travis loved cursive. Don't let him fool you.
2: Until the cello. You, you liked I did. The ugly I had organ. a problem with the cello. You remember that, right? Like I loved Domestica and then like they brought the cellist in and I was like, nope, I remember nope, I'm you out.
0: liking Ugly Organ as well. Really? Yes. Okay. Well You yeah. liked uh, uh Driftwood or whatever that song is, the Pinocchio song and
2: You liked Don't slander it. me. The the cello comes in on this song uh, in, in the verse, and then it builds up and then it incorporates like you know, violins and violas and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It sounds better with all of it, but the cello but like, is like prominent. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, yeah.
2: And yeah. I just, I just don't, I, 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 don't like that that mix. I do That's think the string arrangement
1: thing. is the. I do think the string arrangement is the best part of the song, and specifically during the final ten seconds that are just strings, the arrangement is pretty interesting. There's these like sour harmonies.
2: Yes. What is the point of that? <laughs>
1: I, and it, it sounds, it's interesting. I suppose. The the, the
2: the prettiness of the
1: song starts to smear into an ugly grayness that um, adds at least slightly to the emotional resonance of the otherwise pretty meaningless emotionality of the song.
2: <laughs> but what does Bush have to do with those last 10 seconds? You know yeah. they have nothing to do with it. It was just <laughs> no, like the producer don't. was like, oh, let's tag this on and then. The guys yeah. in the band were like, oh cool, yeah.
1: <laughs> the only other thing that I, I like about this song is the little ambient guitar loop that opens it and continues through the rest. So uh both probably producer
2: decisions rather than band decisions. So I think I wanna I wanna give this song credit for being the most Gavin Rossdale song. <laughs> this is like the self actualization of Gavin Rossdale. Like <laughs> It is him becoming fully formed and at his most Gavin rosdale ish hmm. Sure. Hmm. So I, I think that that is some sort of achievement that's unlocked in this song, right? Sure.
1: I mean, I guess if, if part of Gavin Rosdale's vibe is that he's sexy, this is one of the sexier songs, certainly, uh, of... 16 stone and probably bush's career what's sexy about it yeah that's what i, would like I don't to know i mean it's it's it is again it, i think this song strongly benefits from not being examined too closely um i think that it, it, it if you just think of it as an ambient 90s experience that you're hearing i think that it's perfectly pleasant um there are elements of the song that are pretty um and you know Gavin Rosdell has an opportunity to you know I feel like on 16 stone he's constantly trying to sort of like sharpen the the barbs of his lyrics and, and never more is his nirvana wannabiness more transparent than when he's trying to be edgy and i think when he's relaxing and just being totally in a romantic mode on this song it it probably benefits
0: Al, I really appreciate you trying so much to look at this in a positive light.
1: Oh, I'm not very interested in looking at it in a positive okay. light. Well, but, it just uh, seems
0: like you're you're finding things to uh compliment the song on. And that's sure. that's really well, nice. Well, I have no well, interest in doing that. that. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I I do, I mean, I essentially do agree with what you say. Like, sure, there are elements of the song that are pretty. Yeah, you're Uh you're right. It doesn't make the song good or make me like it. But,
3: Uh yeah,
0: I guess it, like, makes it not um, as bad as, like, a Nickelback song.
1: Sure. I think uh, taken as a pair with everything Zen, you can see... Rosdale's sort of strategy for being like Kurt Cobain basically just consists of him listing opposites. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about this a little bit in come down, but he's going for, he's going for the, like the take your time, hurry up mm-hmm. or the, uh, even the just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you mm-hmm. kind of thing that Kurt Cobain could take and make clever and make it part of a bigger whole and make it feel genuine. Um, but, you know, he's got, I'm never alone, I'm alone all the time. Uh, which is followed by, Are you at one? Do you lie? Which just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, this song contains the line, We live in a wheel where everyone steals. And uh, he also has the lines, um, just, it, this shows more than anything, I feel like, just the sloppiness of the lyric writing. Mm-hmm. He's not even able to use opposites here. They just, con- just contradicts himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, uh, Everything's gone white and everything's gray. Like, as though that's, like, a a progression. Everything's gone white and everything's gray. Like, everything's being gray is the the end point of the process of everything going white. I don't want to analyze that anymore. It's, uh...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah.
1: Um, We talked about, also, in Everything Zen, he had the David Bowie reference, Mickey Mouse has grown up a cow. Here he's got an allusion to strawberry fields. Mm-hmm. So I, I was curious about that. He seems to be trying to place himself in this like specifically British mm-hmm. tradition. Um,
0: yeah. He just kind of throws it in though. Like, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't yep. mean anything. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. What is this song about?
0: Glycerine. <laughs> His love yeah. for whatever glycerine is. Hmm. I, don't know, I don't I don't.
1: Songmeanings.com user Anti Average says that, says that glycerine is a clear, odorless, tasteless substance. <laughs> so basically, don't let the days go by like glycerine, nearly featureless, cold, and unresponsive.
2: Damn okay. it. He, st- he stole my bit. <laughs> hey, ask me what the song's about. <laughs> What's the song about? Oh, if I had to guess, I would guess that glycerine's about a colorless, odorless, viscous liquid that is sweet tasting and non toxic. No, I, I, I don't know what it's about, but, um, I think that I, and we've kind of hit on this, but like, you know, when we were talking in, in the, I think in the come down episode, Alec mentioned that, um. That there was this opportunity for Gavin Rossdale to make a human connection, but he hides behind these lyrics Mm -hmm. and there was an opportunity and he just doesn't take it. And I I thought about that and I was like wondering if he's actually hiding or if there's just nothing there, if there's (laughs) nothing that he's putting into the lyrics. And I I know that sounds mean, but like sometimes you're just like, I don't know, maybe he doesn't have any feeling behind it. And he's just you got to throw some words in there. And mm-hmm. it is what it is. Like, I, I, I guess I kind of understand that. But yeah. like one of the... And I, yeah, go ahead. One of the rules of good songwriting is show, don't tell, right? Like you have to actually show your work. And you can't just mm-hmm. say, I'm sad. And then have people go, oh, wow, he's sad. And like, that's enough. You know, you have mm-hmm. to show examples. You have to show why. And he never does that. It's always just, it's always tell with Gavin Rosdale. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that's specifically what makes his song seem so superficial.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure that we're thinking about lyrics probably a lot more than some Bush listeners do, but I, I think probably if you're a Bush fan, your your strategy is probably to latch onto a line that means something to you and to shape your whole emotional attachment to the song around that line. I think I think what you're probably looking to do is find just one little way in and then maybe the music becomes resonant for you. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like when, when Gavin Rosdale really gets down to it in this song, the closest thing he can come to, to this, like, I, I don't know. I, you know. I'm looking at the line. I'll never forget where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> like, those two things don't. It just don't go together for me. I will say he he. There's a line where he, in some way, here expresses regret. Uh, he says like I could have been easier on you or something like that. That's like the one sincere lyric where I'm like, okay, I could see it being. A, I could see a song about that. I could see that being the
3: centerpiece.
2: I actually don't hate the line. I'm never alone. I'm alone all the time. Um, it's not great, but like you know, you can kind of you can kind of feel that way sometimes where you're just like, mm-hmm. you know, you feel lone, you know, loneliness versus like, you know, being around a lot of people. Yeah. Internally you feel
0: there. lonely, but you're around people. a lot. Yeah. 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 Um,
2: uh,
1: the Richard Ashcroft solo album alone with everybody, I think covers that sentiment nicely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. being surrounded by people, but being lonely,
0: mm. um, Al, I, uh, have not been able to stop thinking about um, in the come down episode, uh, talking about a Gavin Rossdale lyric, um, talking about Machine Head and how it's about Darth Vader. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, and the green to red line. And you drew attention to the um, machine on his chest or whatever that.
3: Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. And I was thinking, didn't Anakin Skywalker have. His original lightsaber was green? I believe uh or was it, it was blue?
1: not. I believe it was blue oh, okay. and then it, he switched to red. Okay. Yeah. I was
0: thinking lightsaber is green to red. Sure. But yeah. was Luke's um lightsaber green? Well, so Luke
1: Luke originally inherited his father's lightsaber, which was blue in A New Hope, and he mm-hmm. continued using that through Empire Strikes Back. But at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, he has learned to construct his own lightsaber, and that lightsaber is green. Oh, okay, okay, wow. Trav, Trav, oh,
2: Trav. What? Oh, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I fell asleep there for a second. <laughs>
1: um, I thought it was funny that in an interview in nineteen ninety seven, Gavin Rosdill is describing the process of writing this song and he said, I was like a conduit. Something about it was bigger than anything we were doing. F <laughs> 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 off,
2: dude. It just flowed through him. <laughs> So God this is something to him specifically, <laughs> you must write this song.
1: This is something that uh Quill probably won't be very fun for you. But um this uh, this song has uh, uh four chords that became an industry standard. Oh, I'm always one, interested five, in hearing you guys okay. talk about chord chords. Uh one five six four and I stuck to that variation, although there's also like six four one five is a big thing uh during this time period. But um uh, this this power chord uh, progression is gonna power a lot of bands to stardom. Trav, were there any examples um, from the 90s that really stood out to you of good or bad songs with that progression.
2: Yeah, so I tried to think about this a little bit because I think we maybe talked about it for a second in the uh when I come around episode yeah. um where we got into mm. the blink-182 songs like damn it definitely does this. Yeah, and what's my age again? What's my age oh, H- mm-hmm. again? What's my age again? Ends on a 6 though, doesn't it? That might be a it's one.
1: It's got the I think it goes up to the 4. Instead of down to the four? Oh. Oh, Wait,
0: okay. Are are you guys saying this is a Paco Bells?
1: No. Canada? No. No, that was that a was uh, that was basket case, yeah.
0: Mm, right, right. But when yeah, no, this is <clears throat> definitely has the same it, it has a pop punk chord progression. Yes,
2: yes, yes it is a pop for punk sure. chord progression. Yeah. So that being said, I don't have a good answer to this question. I can only say that any song that has the 1564 progression is not a song I want to hear at this point in my life. Hmm. I thought maybe Lord I lift your name on high might be uh <laughs> like some kind of praise and worship thing. It's so formulaic where it's just like uh, uh, it, uh, there's nothing interesting for me. Like if you get to a one and a five, and I guess you're going to a six and a four and you do, like I'm out. <laughs> hmm.
0: I think Lord I left your name on high as one five six five.
2: Uh it's one four five four. You're one, almost four, exactly five, right. Yes. Four. Yes. Okay. Well Which is
0: um, not as cool. As yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be Trav. The, cool. the one song that I think could maybe change your mind is uh, "Today" by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, th- the instrumental part is one five six four. Okay, the verses go to one five four. But
2: yeah, I, I think of what "Today" as a one five four.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, My name is Jonas. Oh. Uh, Spiderwebs yeah. by no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh wow! Saved. Safe tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Hell yeah! (laughs) Actually, I think that's six four one five. Getting spicy. But I I was I was looking at this. There actually is a Wikipedia page for this chord progression, and um, they consider six four one five to be the same thing. It's uh, you know it's just slightly out of of order. But I found that uh, six four one five was labeled the quote sensitive female chord progression quote end quote by Boston Globe columnist Mark Hirsch. Uh, after it was used in One of Us by Joan Osborne,
2: Re- I mean, is there are there more examples of that? Uh,
1: there, there must be. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to think of them off the top yeah. of my head. Huh. Huh. Um, is Building the Mystery? Does it have that uh, six four one five and the verses?
2: Um. Yeah, I bet it does. I bet it, at least in the chorus.
1: Yeah. Torn has a variation, uh Torn by Natalie Imbruglia I think goes 15654.
2: Five,
3: mm.
1: Um.
2: Yeah, so I mean all of this is to say basically though that this is a pretty thoughtless sort of progression, right? Like Yeah. Like you just kind of plug it in and then write try to write the best most interesting hooky melody over it that you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and when we even move on beyond um if we're willing to move beyond the world of alternative rock, uh you can go on and you can see, you know, this song this is a pretty standard chord progression going back all the way to the seventies. There's actually a, a very corny band called Axis of Awesome that has a YouTube video called Four Chords, and they play these four chords and they change songs every line. And they go through a list of um, 47 songs in their song, starting with Journey's Don't Stop Believing, but also going to Where's the Love by Black Eyed Peas, I'm Yours by Jason Mraz, Hey Soul Sister by Train. Hello. Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John, With or Without You by U2, Paparazzi by Lady Gaga. On and on and on and on. Al, did none you maybe of, shared, none of which
2: I
0: want to hear. You didn't yeah. share this with us in a text thread like months and months ago. No,
2: that was a different no. one. It was a, that was the Pac, Pac Bell's Canon, oh, right? Where it was yeah. a, a different thing yeah. where a guy was playing all of the songs that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that share that. I think sure. I think Th-
1: thoughts on Pod super fan Jen Taylor uh, shared that college comedian doing the Paco Bell Canon bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Jen. Yeah, thank you, Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Video? <clears throat>
3: <clears throat> Sh-
1: sure.
0: I have
2: <laughs> terrible memories of this video. Yeah. When this video came out, I remember it was like the premiere date I was sick on the couch. I had eaten bad Taco Bell. And it was like, I had this like room temperature nacho cheese. And it was like, I was on the verge of throwing up all day and I couldn't. And I just laid on the couch and they played this video every like seemingly 20 minutes. And so I like always associate this song with that feeling of needing to throw up and not being able to. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I started off kind of in the hole on on glycerine, glycerine. <laughs> um, but um I did I watched it recently and I thought there was like a really great texture to the video. I liked the way it looked. Um I don't know what kind of film was used or whatever, but it looked um it looked neat, I liked that. um mm-hmm. it seemed like there were moments where uh Gavin was dressed like a friar, like almost like he was wearing a <laughs> tunic um, oh. but, he, but not quite yes, the sixteen the sixteen stone, like he was wearing some kind of potato sack dress um, <laughs> but he wasn't so um, I don't know, I don't know
1: it was a okay. main note was was pretty boy posturing, lots mm. of him being pretty, uh, and some footage of a dangerously skinny model who is always shot from the neck down, which I, I guess is probably, I'll be i will be generous and say it's an artistic choice to say, just to demonstrate her emotional distance or something, but mm. could also be to, to make sure that Gavin Rosdale's face is the only one that appears in the video. Um, viewer's choice at the MTV Music Video Awards. Oh, People in that, that face.
0: What does that mean? That fans voted for it to win an award? I assume so. Idiots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, should we move on to talk about sixteen stone again?
3: No. I would love to talk about <laughs>
1: sixteen
2: stone again. We've done it. And I <laughs> you, we yeah, we pretty much shut that down.
1: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Razorblade Suitcase uh, later on. We've got a single from that. We also have a single from The Science of Things. We talked briefly about listening to a new Bush album, and we didn't want to no, do that. No, no. So uh, we're just going to completely break the rules and talk about uh, a big album from 1995, Sparkle and Fade by Everclear. No relation. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've never listened to this, and I was like, "Why not? Why not give it a shot?" Like, we, it's our podcast. We what make the made rules. Us, Whatever. <laughs> what what the made hell? us
0: decide? What What brought upon the uh, this specific album, though? It, like, I feel like for me, yeah, it was just an album from this time that um, I was always interested in and never did the work for, and from the same time frame and.
3: Same I year. think when we
1: when we ran into Santa Monica on the charts for the first time, I think that I was sad that we weren't going to have a Santa Monica episode. Yeah, um, Everclear was uh, my favorite band for a short time, um, probably part of my freshman year and part of my sophomore year of high school. Before or and after then, live? Uh, after live. Okay. Yeah, they were. They were. I think that. Um, around 1999 i started getting disillusioned with live and kind of like no doubt and everclear became sort of like my twin favorite bands for a little while yeah uh my cat is gonna just start howling he just jumped up on the um what's the thing above your fireplace he just jumped up on the Uh, mantel and shout out to chatty boy howling yeah that's chatty boy he is uh he's getting a burst of energy. Oh boy. If something, if something crashes down, it's just my television. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, sparkle and fade was, was generally my favorite Everclear album. When, when Everclear is my favorite band. So uh,
0: Trev, you and I were the only ones unfamiliar with the album, huh?
2: Yeah. I've never listened to it prior to this week. Yeah. Um I don't have a good reason for that. Yeah. Um I I wasn't necessarily like averse to it where I was like, "Ooh, I bet this probably isn't good." I loved Santa Monica. I'll tell you what. I'm so glad. That would jump right rich. into Santa Monica. That if Santa Monica was one awesome. of these songs, if if we covered Santa Monica, that would be an easy 5 star. It for, might, oh, really? It might a be easy. a 5.
0: It might be oh, a 5. That's star. great. It would get no lower than a 4.5. Yeah, like, it would definitely be.
2: Let me let me ask you this: there. What about those really long snare rolls? Do you like that
0: in Santa Monica? Yeah, those uh,
2: fills where it's just like ba 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 like forever, yeah, where he just stretches them out on and on and on. Is that cool with you? It's
0: appropriate for that song. Oh, it, that song man, is I so love that. That song is so simple and um, yeah. I the drumming on it and the drum sound on it is way better than I remember it being.
2: Yeah, um, and the rest of the album, too. I mean, we'll get into that, but yeah. like uh, the drum sounds, yeah, for sure. I,
0: according to Wikipedia, they self-recorded it or self-produced
2: it. Whoa, really?
0: Art, Art Alexis was listed as the producer. Alexakis, Alexakis. thank
2: you. Art Alexis. Alexakis
0: art De- Alexander Dumas <laughs> was listed as the producer of sparkle and fade
2: wow. uh, um, which
0: is shocking to me because it sounds like a pro you know album for sure
2: I'll tell you what when I, probably 10 years ago at this point or around that time I used to have these parties with with friends that would come over and we'd play rock bands and mm-hmm. uh we had a a set list that would go through and uh, I would always play drums on Santa Monica. I would insist Mm. on it. And it was the most fun thing in the world. And it gave me a a deeper appreciation for the song to play along with it and be like, Oh my God, this song
0: rules. Oh good. It's such a good, simple, dumb song. It's awesome. Great. It's great. Awesome. 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 Single.
1: Yeah, I I had not thought about the the drumming in a while, but um, I do love this drummer. I do love his fills. They've got a a nice, simple thing that they do that is distinct from Green Day and is Mm -hmm. distinct from Offspring. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: They're more power pop than punk.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that that's an interesting, they they walk an interesting line there. some Some of the songs are pretty heavy. Yeah,
0: no, there are definitely some songs that have like a grungy, punky um, feel, but I would, yeah, I, I think they're essentially like a, a power pop band, kind of.
2: That You just kind of broke my brain there, Quillen, because I was thinking of it on the power, or er, on the pop and punk spectrum, mm-hmm. and I had just sort of settled on 60, 40 pop, to punk yeah yeah and i, I never even fair. considered power pop yeah which is definitely you're right like it's it's there's definitely a strong like power pop element to the band on this album and i mm-hmm. hadn't considered it so i gotta i gotta reevaluate that yeah
0: well i mean it's uh you know there is power pop that can be punky i mean like you know ted leo came from You know, like, has history in in punk music and uh, even, like, um, yeah, I mean, there are power pop bands that have, like, punk elements to their songs, right?
2: Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. probably a stronger, like, element of, like, Elvis Costello than Mm -hmm. maybe even the Buzzcocks Mm -hmm. when -hmm. you think about, like,
3: Mm -hmm. punk, pop, Mm -hmm.
2: power pop, like, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh Alexakis is a big thin Lizzie guy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: could I could hear that. That makes sense to me. Huh. Yeah,
1: they even, they even had a cover of uh Boys Are Back in Town that was on some some soundtrack. Oh. It's man. not particularly good. I didn't um, want to get
2: too far along in their discography, but they've got an album called Return to Santa Monica that oh, has a cover oh, really? of The Joker that I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to listen to and just behold its uh majestic shittiness (laughs) okay it is unbelievable like if you like i mean and i think they cover brown eyed girl on it too it's just like for people who like don't like music here's there's actually it was in
1: the early 2000s that they covered brown eyed girl oh um yeah yeah they they got you know the album after this they add a lot of sort of like ear candy but it's not fundamentally a different vibe from Sparkle and Fade. But after that, just the ear candy component, these kind of saccharine keyboards start saturating every track. And uh, yeah, you know, the the album that came out when I was maybe a, a freshman or a sophomore was Songs from an American Movie, Volume mm. One, and it was uh, it was like kind of straight pop, very very heavily produced. Mm.
0: um Um, yeah i mean the uh the song there was a song on this album that sounded like to a t like um something from so much for the afterglow um uh i think it was called oh yeah you make me feel like a whore Mm -hmm. like the melody like of the line of course at the end of the song he repeats You make me feel like a whore. Uh And it's the same melody as the line in Father of Mine, I think. It's Daddy gave me a name or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, look
2: at that. It, and oh, it, that's
0: it's the, that's the definitely where they they hit of the song is exactly the same and it's yeah. hilarious. Ugh. They
1: have a they have a they hit a formula for their singles that they were. It's oh, like yeah. it's like you make me feel like A horror was a rough draft for that yes, formula. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um I think tracks 1 through 4 are all pretty great. The opener yeah. is dumb and big and I love how dumb and big it is. It's all a lot of it is uh just riding on one chord. Um Heroin Girl is really fast and heavy and I it, yeah. it's, it's cool. That's good. Yeah, I like and that. um and yeah, you make me feel like a Whore yeah. is a good, it's a good good pop yeah. single um Santa i also think the, the the last two songs are pretty cool chemical smile and my sexual life i both i like both uh, of those
0: my sexual life is uh, <laughs> such a great song title <laughs>
2: yeah. uh chemical smile rips ass yeah and uh my sexual life i thought sounded like you only live once by the strokes oh, oh i can see that i yeah. didn't yeah. i didn't
0: really notice the last couple of songs
1: Yeah. Mm. Chemical Smile is just a brainless, super fast, uh, really great, uh, fast punk song. Um, (laughs) uh, On the same uh, page, uh, towards the end, there's the song Nahalem. Yeah. It's another really fast, dumb one that's great. And Brand New Skin is also a a kind of a fast, dumb one that's really fun. Yeah.
0: Those, uh, her brand new skin was like, that's like to a T bubble grunge. Like, uh, mostly bass driving the verses, acoustic guitar I think. Um, mm-hmm. with, uh, during the verses, which is cool. Um, I really liked the song Strawberry. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no drums. Uh, kind of like sh- almost like shoegaze. See, like guitar chords. Um, mm-hmm. just nice, simple. Um, and. I think this was a single, um, heart, uh, spark dollar sign. Um, yeah. it was like a really nice, like, uh, just like straight up power pop song. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I liked most of the songs on this album.
1: How did you all feel about the lyrics of heart, spark, dollar sign? <laughs> this, this should have, if uh, yeah, Santa yeah. Monica has in parentheses, uh, uh, watch the world die. Uh, this song would have the parentheses, uh, me and my black girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure where I stand on it. Me Trav, too. you're making faces. No,
2: I was waiting for you to tell me, Alec. What's the, what, yeah. how, how am I supposed to feel about this? Like, I just put question marks by it. Like, it just seems like, I mean, it, also you have to take into account this is 1995, it's a different yeah. time. Yeah. We don't hear
1: a lot of mentions of race in, um, alternative rock at this time so um for him to address it and i'd be curious about the context of some of the scenes that that the band was playing in if uh there's some racism in those scenes or something like that but it does feel a little bit sort of self-aggrandizing that he says you know i walk with pride with my black girlfriend and there's even a line that says you know she said uh forget the fact that i don't look like you she said uh you're possessed with a power bigger than the pain yes and it could be an ins- inspiring line but it, it it does feel like it sort of treads a line it feels um, a
2: little primitive like maybe you're just sort of starting to take the steps in the right direction towards yeah. i don't know some kind of enlightenment in that regard but um it's still a little um a little rough around the edges a little yeah. coarse
1: yeah I feel like one takeaway that I've had from all of the turmoil over the last couple months is, uh, take the primitive first step, you know, take it and, and, you know, uh, people will redirect you in either nice ways or not nice ways, but it's still the first step. And I, you know, I guess, um, I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt that this is a sweet forward thinking song. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah i did feel a little a, a little unsure of his intentions as i was listening
2: um so yeah i guess i want to say overall that i really liked the album i felt like it was a breath of fresh air uh compared to the albums that we've listened to lately where they're so brooding yeah. and yeah like this is really like bright and fun um yeah it was it, i i was
0: pleasantly surprised as i i was hoping um, to like it. And mm-hmm. I did end up liking it even more than I thought I would. Uh, yeah. It was really fun.
2: That, that being said, um, I, it was hard to fully settle in, in like a trusting way to know that like what, what's being said is, is cool because I know how bad things get later on mm-hmm. with Everclear.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like They really, you know, it's all downhill from here. Like, I feel like the next album is a step down. And then after that, it's like off a cliff. It is. Um, And... I I feel like there's you know if you if you're looking for it there's like this gimmicky sort of provocative thing that's happening where he's like mentioning like pierced nipples and you make Mm -hmm. me feel like a (laughs) whore and the heroin mm -hmm. stuff and walking with pride with a black girlfriend and it all kind of adds up to like this PG-13 kind of like poking the listener like hey check this out aren't I edgy yeah I agree
1: Yeah. And he's got, you know, this, there are little touches of autobiography that he works into the songs here, but that becomes almost an obsession for him later lyrically. And it often does have a little bit of a, uh, uh, woe is me. Look how hard my life has been kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Even after he's made millions of dollars. Um, I, I haven't really followed what he's been up to. Um, I'm not sure if when he plays shows with Everclear, if any of the other members are are the same, but um, people apparently really hate Art Alexakis in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, he uh, he he was Portland based for a lot of this time, and um, I found some article online that was from a Portland periodical describing him as the most hated man in Portland. I didn't really bother looking into it because I don't know. I just didn't want to engage in in those bad vibes but um i think uh people who care about authenticity do not care for art alexakis
2: i think also you know another element of this is that he's constantly framing himself as this outcast where he's running away and no one really cares about us anyway and Uh, He'll never find a place where he and his black girlfriend can just fit in. I think it's important to mention he's 33 years old in 1995. (laughs) Oh, are you kidding? He's 33 and he's talking about like running away. Like Uh (laughs) you you can't run away when you're 33. Like you've been (laughs) like an adult for many, many years at this point. Like you can do whatever you want. It's fine. You know, yeah. like it, it, yeah, that, that really kind of soured me a little bit on, mm-hmm. on some of the, the lyrics there. I didn't
3: know yeah, that. He,
0: I didn't know that he was at all.
2: Um, he has some bad habits
1: lyrically. I don't know if you noticed, he likes to pad out the syllables in his lines. So actually Quillen would appreciate this. He, mm-hmm. he, he very, he, he likes to. He doesn't use a lot of contractions. He won't say can't if he can say cannot, <laughs> um, and he'll add a yes or a no in there to pad out the syllables too. It's not on this album, but on um, you know on the next album. I always think of a couple of the lyrics, and I will buy you a new life, where he's like. Um, Gosh, what does he say? Oh, I would
0: love to hear some examples of you this. You know,
1: here is the money that I owe you. I will pay you more when I get paid again. <laughs> and uh, he has the line also in that one. Can you believe he actually thinks that I am really alive? <laughs> <laughs> I used to love um, abbreviating things
0: so much, and now it's all about the yeah. extension of uh, syllables, um, yeah. I
1: actually made a little compilation of some of my favorite lyrics from Sparkle and Fade. Mm. And I, I went ahead and I put them together in a YouTube video. Um, Ooh, I just dropped yes. it in the chat. Oh, I just want to check out a little highlight reel here. Right now? Yeah. Okay.
2: you have to zoom in on his eyes like that <laughs> amazing oh, first of all thank you for that you're welcome such a but
0: lyrical genius
2: also his yes are great right yes. yeah. yeah yeah he's got a great good. yeah he's got a great rock and roll yeah he does yeah
0: oh that was a great uh tim and eric zoom in uh. <laughs> oh
2: i'm glad to hear
1: it yeah yep
0: well done shit
1: you're welcome uh let's move on to the charts (laughs) yeah yeah let's do it um let's see at the top of the mainstream chart we've got my friends by the red hot chili peppers pretty cool uh, no, on the pop chart we still got One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boyz II Men and that'll be the case for quite a while mm-hmm. so uh, other highlights from the modern rock chart
0: um, uh, in the meantime by Space Hog I feel like a lot of people like that song that comes yeah. in at number 27 I like the verses of this song but the chorus is super obnoxious to me hmm.
2: um, what about uh, that bass intro Yeah, the Um, bass um, is kind
1: of cool. Yeah, pretty
3: cool.
2: when we listen i i i want to add they space hog reissued um Resident Alien for record store day this year, and me and a handful of friends um were able to to get a hold of it and um boy, we all just fell in love with it like there's a lot oh, to dig into like it's a really neat album like oh really a, for real? it's it's not it's not perfect but there's a lot of very cool stuff, and I remember getting this album in '95, and it was before I'd ever heard like Ziggy Stardust or anything like that. I didn't know what Britpop was, but this is an awesome Britpop album. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Cool. It's really cool, and it, I I I would encourage you to check it out.
1: I
0: don't think I realized. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, we were talking in a recent episode, Al. I think like um. I think uh Breakfast at Tiffany's came up and we kind of yes. talked about how that was released in 95 and we you and I felt like it was released sooner than that. Mhm. Um this is like the opposite. I did not realize that in the meantime was um in 95. I thought that was like a much later 90s like 97, huh. 98, 99 maybe even. Um I think I re- yeah and it's possible that it was another Space Hog single, I guess. Um I that find I'm that unlikely. Of... Right. Um but I feel like I remembered it from like 80 and X Top Nine at Nine or like Twelve Angry Viewers on MTV or something like
2: that. Woo. Um Deep Cut. Love it. Dude,
0: Twelve Angry Viewers is uh It's great, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Um I did some Wikipedia researching on that um, a ways back when we were talking about um, podcast ideas. Actually, oh. before we decided on this, um, there was a guy
2: from Clio that was on Twelve Angry Viewers. It was a big deal. Oh, cool! He was an actor. I think he was Don Brewer from Grand Funk Railroad's nephew, oh, who was weird. like a, a an amateur actor. It was a it was a big deal. Oh,
0: weird! Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Another song that stuck out to me, though it's not good, is uh, "Mighty KC" by First Squirrels. Whoa! Um, whoa! Whoa!
2: It's not yeah. good. Number thirty one. Yeah. Pump those brakes, brother.
0: Uh, I listened to that Four Squirrels album when I was a kid because of my brother, who liked it, and uh, I don't understand why 8:02 p.m. wasn't uh, the single, mm. the opener on the album, which is mm. awesome. That song rules, and this song does not.
2: You gotta pay respect to the mighty KC.
0: You like you like the song? Yeah. Why? It rules. What about it rules? What?
2: The the music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good answer for you. Yeah. It's just I've always really liked that. You like that? It. It's yeah. about Kurt. Respect Kurt, man.
0: Oh, mighty KC! It's about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Jesus.
3: She's a Morgan. i ready
0: I guess I thought it was like Kansas city or something. I didn't nah. look into it that closely, but I thought it was just really boring. And I was like, 8:02 PM. That song title is familiar. I feel like that's the song that I knew and liked from this album. And lo and behold, it was, and that song rips. Um, hmm. and then, uh, have we seen satellite, uh, no. on the charts yet? Yeah. No, I don't think we so. We
2: haven't. Is I satellite, love satellite good satellite's pretty good. I right? love satellite. I mean I satellite, satellite is awesome. I like it okay. Satellite
0: is no um crash into me. Uh, but uh, it might be
2: equal. i love I love both
0: Crash into me for me has like so much it just drips with nostalgia for me, and it's just sure. like so beautiful. and satellite is like beautiful but also like trying to show off. At the same time. Which Crash into Me also does, um, because of Carter Buford. And yeah. um but this it, it seems more forced to me than Crash into hmm. Me.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's I think it's I think I like it. I think I like satellite. I did Satellite's when I was a kid. Great.
2: It's great. Al what do you think of satellite?
1: Um I like it okay. It was never really a standout to me um uh, when I was a DMB fan. Oh,
2: okay.
0: Yeah. You were more of an ants marching guy. Uh
1: I I was more of a uh, Jimmy thing kinda guy. <laughs> hmm. If we're talking under the table and dreaming. Hmm. Uh but uh if we can move on beyond that, I was a so much to say kind of guy and a uh don't
0: drink the water kinda guy. I too was
1: much. a don't drink the water kinda guy, yeah. Uh too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah I I was pretty into the Dave stuff. Yeah. Um the 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 really curious thing that I noticed on the charts is this song called I Got Id by Pearl Jam. And um, it is featuring Neil Young and appeared as the A-side to something called the Merkin Ball EP, which was put together sort of during the sessions for Wrecking Ball, the Emmylou Harris album, oh. for which Neil Young had written the title track. Yeah. So... Um, The no, wait, no, that's Wrecking Ball. This is Mirror Ball.
2: Mirror Ball by Neil Young. Mirror
1: Ball by Neil Young. Which was his yeah. Well, I was confused because Neil Young had written the song Wrecking Ball, right? That Lou Harris performed on her 1995 album Wrecking Ball.
2: Okay, so I had this. I had this EP. Okay. And it was a big deal. Like I loved it. I loved I got it, and I love. I, I I don't know that I paid much attention to the um, the backup track, which was uh, the long road. It was kind of a slower deal, but um, yeah, it was like um, I think it was kind of tied in with with Mirrorball. The packaging was kind of similar. Um, Mirrorball, I think, was sort of uh, famous for the single Downtown which was like kind of a hit around that Hmm. time. Cool song. Um, There's a couple of cool songs on Mirrorball by Neil Young, but um, yeah, I Got It was cool. Um, Good solo on that song. Yeah. Um, Good kind of like a a deep single cut from Pearl Jam from this era. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really cruising on Pearl Jam right now. I've never liked Pearl Jam better than I do right now. Yeah. Dang. Uh which is it's probably partially a side effect of this podcast.
3: Mm.
1: Cool. Let's yeah. rate Glicarini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I'm going to give this 2.5 bad mood wines. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll give it 1.5 of my sexual lives.
2: <laughs> um, I'll give it 1.5 colorless, odorless, viscous liquids. All right, so... That might put it into the stall of is blame, in the
1: stall of, is stall of blame is two or lower?
0: I think it's two or lower. I can't remember if it's two or lower or under two. I think it should I, be under two.
1: It should be under two. Well, let's see if it matters. So
0: we got a two point five, and then two one point fives.
1: Yeah, it's under two. Oh yeah. All right. This oh, yeah. is our our, our first, first official our first official stall of stall blamer. Yeah. Uh, Glycerine by Bush.
0: Glycerin. <laughs> by Barf. Uh,
1: <laughs> Nirvana wannabe. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. Uh, the best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or Watch Along on YouTube. Uh, it's hard to believe but we are already saying goodbye to 1995 and hello to 1996. So next week we'll be back with our second new year's Eve special, or if we come up with a better uh, format or metaphor by that, uh, by next week, uh, it might be something different. Um, However, I don't believe that anybody feels the way we do about returning to talk about Oasis's wonder wall after the break. Bye. Bye. Bye.